Hey everyone, welcome back to the Sexa Podcast, The First Five Years. I'm one of your hosts, Agassi Rodriguez, coming at you from Clemson University. And hi everyone, this is Erica Aguiar coming at you from the University of Florida. Agassi, I think at some point we're going to have to update these. Not not like job-wise, but more so I feel like we say the same thing every time. And what if like one day I was in Tahiti? Know. Well, then maybe you would say you would say coming in live from Tahiti, girl. You'd be recording and in Tahiti. I would like to be somewhere else for like a bit. It's been a it's been a year and a half. So Erica, Erica doesn't check her work email after five p.m., but she's going to record an episode of a podcast in Tahiti. That's no, that's that's believable. It is believable. I care so deeply for this podcast and for our fans that I would. Record, but the time difference is what would get us, right? Like, I don't know what the time difference is in Tahiti, or I could do Australia. I am flexible. But oh, would I pack good. the snowball, my microphone on a plane? I don't know. This is getting away from us. Hey, friend. It'd probably, it'd probably melt in Tahiti if we're going to be honest. Ooh, oh. <laughs> well, welcome back, folks, to the first five years. We're so happy to have you. We're so thrilled to bring you another exciting episode where we talk to you, our new professionals and friends. And, you know, I think at this point, the first five years, that could be a lot of different things. So anyone who's listening, we're excited to bring you some cool new information and topics that we find interesting and relevant and thought-provoking for wherever you are at in your newer professional journey. Yeah, whether you're on the beach in Tahiti or not. Right, right, Erica? <laughs> yes. <laughs> So we are really excited to kind of continue our next journey on our Shakespearean to dock or not to dock journey and talk about the actual application process and to talk about what are things you need to consider if you are, you know, in, in those, all right, I'm going to do this, PhD slash EDD. And, and to be specific, we're talking, I think, mostly about PhDs today, but I think a lot of the sentiment will stand for EDDs. So we're really thrilled to get a little more into the nitty gritty of it, less theoretical, more logistical, logistic-y, logistics mm -hmm. words today. Eric, I think it's logistic-y. I think you had it right the, the first time, logistic-y. Um, and we are also so excited because today is officially our first crossover episode with our sibling podcast, Essay Today, hosted by the fantastic Michelle Botcher, and we are so excited to have her for our first crossover. I just want to note that when we had our pre-recording, I was dubbed Captain Crossover um, because I've been wanting this to happen for so long and finally we get to do it. So just a quick introduction about Michelle. She is an associate professor at Clemson University. Her research includes sense of belonging in community, in higher education, and the depiction of student affairs in popular culture. Prior to her current role, she worked in housing and residence life, and then as an assistant dean of students and director of student comment conduct. I'm sorry. Please welcome Michelle. Woo! Thank you so much. We're so happy to have you. And actually, Michelle, I copied over your bio and did not read it. I, and this might be another day, would love to hear more about the depiction of student affairs and popular culture. Because sometimes I watch things and I just... I'm like, that's not, mm -mm. and I'm sure that happens with like lawyers and doctors, right? But some of that stuff, mm -mm. You, you don't have students, you don't have that much attendance at a program. That's not happening. Come on. So 
so that that's a side note, but we're so excited to have you. One of my goals in working on this is to get lots of people side hustles as creative consultants on any movie or TV show that has anything to do with college students. Um, because what student affairs professionals do is way more interesting um, and engaging and funny than what they put in the movies and TV shows. So yeah, I'd love to talk more about it. I'm going to give you this question. If we don't revisit it, it's fine, but I just, I have to know, and you have time to think about it. I need to know what the most egregious example of student affairs and pop culture is that in your years of study, you have gone, that is not it. And again, you can take time, but if you have an answer now, we'll, we'll take it now too. Yeah, I have an answer now. The answer is that the Dean of Students handles everything that goes on on campus. That is not the first stop. You know, it's, there are lots of other um, great professionals who actually prevent things from having to go to the Dean or the Vice President, um, but they all get eliminated in TV shows and movies. Coming from housing, that's again, probably an episode in itself where we could talk about that, but, um, but yeah, that's my thing. Something happens on campus, call the Dean, no. That's not who you're going to call. So don't call the dean. They are busy. Yeah. They, they, we have people who are ready to take on these concerns and then elevate them as needed. Exactly. That was a great example. That is exactly right. Spoken like a true dean on call, Erica. <laughs> or are you not on that life anymore? I, yes, I, I served as the emergency dean on call for, well, not, I didn't serve in it for a year, but I was in the rotation for a year. And let me tell you, when that 365th day came, the first email I sent was, uh, I would like to be removed from this list. It was, let me tell you, great professional experience. Mm -hmm. I, you served at least here at the University of Florida, you served for a week and I would not sleep for a full week. Mm -hmm. I am not the person that you want in a crisis. And Agassi, didn't we talk about this last time? If, uh, if they, if they say, is there a doctor in the house? Like, just make sure Erica's not around. Cause she'd be like, not a medical doctor. <laughs> but a PhD slash EDD one day, one day. Okay. Great segue, Agassi, into our episode. But before we get to that, Michelle, what's the um, what's the best thing you ate this week? Best thing I ate this week. So we had our hooding ceremony on Tuesday evening. Um, and I was getting a little nervous before things. So I don't usually eat right before. But after that, I had four pepper pasta. My pa partner had made it for, she ate it earlier, but I had it after the event. That is definitely the best thing I had to eat all week. Four pepper pasta. If you, yep. uh, if you or your partner would like to drop the recipe, we would I can certainly love it. Happen. Yeah, for Thank sure. Thank you so much. see. what about you? Okay, so I'm really, you know, it took me a little bit of time. Um, so Carter and I basically had Mexican food, almost Mexican-esque, for three nights in a row um, because we were just really feeling it. Funny enough, you know, Cinco de Mayo was not one of the nights because <laughs> after that, we're like, we're a little tapped out. We're going to go with something else. But I did have some choripollo the other day, which is basically just like chicken breast with like chorizo and cheese and onions on top. And I mean, you could coat cheese on anything and I'd be a happy camper, but the combination with the chorizo and the chicken and the 
and the onions, amazing, 10 out of 10, one of my favorite uh, dishes ever, but that's the best thing I ate this week. That sounds so good. I'm actually so hungry. We're recording this right before lunch. So always, that's always the worst part of this recording is that I get really hungry. Um, so I'm going to call the best thing we ate this week. I'm going to do calendar week or, um, you know, days. So my partner graduated last Thursday with his PhD and his family came into town and we did a food tour of Gainesville and we went to, um, our favorite sushi place, Dragonfly, which I've talked about before. And we ate them out of house and home. We got that we got the boat and we had just such good sushi and we got like four different desserts, but we got these really good crispy Brussels sprouts. We got mochi. Oh my gosh. It was just one of those meals. I, we had to take a walk afterwards because I felt like we, we really needed to get some stuff moving and it was so good. Um, but really every meal from last Thursday to Saturday, oh my gosh, it was just really great. And this week I am not eating any bread because everything that I ate last week. So that's, I think the best thing I ate in the last seven days. But thank you um, both for your answers. And I hope we all have a good lunch today. Yeah, now I'm very hungry. You're so right. Every time we have this conversation, I just get really hungry. Um, and you're right, it's right before lunchtime. So transitioning a little on our lovely pod, we would love to welcome our producer, Miles Surrett, uh, to engage us in a Would You Rather session. Um, here he is now. The star of the show, Miles, take it away. Star of the show. How complimentary, Agassi. I'm blushing. Uh, okay, well, everyone, I have two would-you-rathers for you today. Um, as promised, there's uh, nothing personal in either of these. So um, that's I've put that in the past. Um, <clears throat> so my uh, two, um, uh, the first option is would you rather have your normal index finger on your writing hand still be there, but also have a mechanical pencil built into it. So you would have like a little button on the side that you could press and graphite would come out. So that's one option. Or would you rather have permanent Bluetooth headphones in, in your ears? So you can still, you can still hear, but they're there. Um, and you know, I won't say that there won't, there's not like tracking associated with that. So just like keep that in, just, you know, keep that in mind. Can I ask a clarifying question? Absolutely. Always, always, like open, always open to clarifying questions. Michelle, I'm a little surprised that you're the one that asked it. Hopefully <laughs> we get Erica's before she, uh, before she asked hers, but yeah, absolutely. Let's go. So with the finger pencil option, is it visible if the graphite is retracted or is it just always it's not visible no nope, not visible it's a it's hidden you just boop, 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 and then you can write with it and then you just you know hold it and press it down that's i think how it would work well i i'm ready to answer but i don't know if you all have if there's a if I'm breaking tradition and just responding. Okay. Um, I would definitely choose the finger option. Um, I don't honestly know how often I would read it because my handwriting is not great to begin with and writing out of the end of my finger, I'm not sure that would improve it. Um, and while the tracking concern for the Bluetooth headphones is part of it for me, 
I would be afraid of picking up other people's stuff. If I could do that on demand, I might go that option, but just walking around and a car drives by and their stereo comes over my, I just, until it's been tested out, there are going to be issues. So I don't, I don't want to go that route. Also, was I supposed to explain why? I, I don't want to, again, I'm good. Yeah, okay. no, I'm glad you did because I think it influences my answer, but Miles, I do still have a clarifying question because of generally who I am as a person. So with these Bluetooth headphones, do I have the option of turning on noise cancellation? Yeah, I think we can think of these as like, as how, you know, you can, you know, like AirPods, you can pick your features, you know, like you want okay. to always cancel, you can do that. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay. It does not change my answer. And my answer is also mechanical pencil because I, I, I don't want to be tracked. I think that is certainly important, even though we don't have that. And I actually don't use my AirPods a ton. And I think I don't want to be that person who's walking around with Bluetooth in my ear all the time. I don't know that that's a vibe because it just, you look tacky. So sorry if any of you wear, you know, Bluetooth headphones at every point, but yeah, I think the retractable little finger pencil is, is my, uh, my go-to as well. We're all making like pew, pew, pew <laughs> with the mechanical pencil. <clears throat> So I'm going to be in the minority here, but I'm definitely going to go the Bluetooth route. Um, we're all being tracked anyway, uh, realistically, unless you leave your phone behind for the most part. Um, and plus with the noise cancellation, I have, <laughs> so I have AirPod, the pros that have the noise cancellation. And I can't tell you how many times I just have them in my ear and I don't have anything playing. I just have the noise cancellation off and they're, I'm the type of person who can work in complete silence and like be okay. Um, I don't always have to have like music and stuff playing in the background. So like, I love it when it's just like kind of dead silence and I'm just like kind of working on things and just a click of the keyboard. Um, so I definitely go that route. I also agree with Michelle about like the, can I pick up other things? Like, is there like a transparency feature where I can amplify? Um, because my, you know, when you're kind of like people watching sometimes and you have your headphones in your and you just like turn on that transparency, you're like, okay, you think I'm listening to my stuff, but I'm actually listening to um, your first date over there kind of happening in the corner. Um, because I love, I love it when you're like in a public space and you can very clearly tell like those people are definitely on a first date. Uh, there's something really special when you see it because you're like, those people are definitely on a first date. Like there's just something about it you can tell. Um, but yes, I would go with the, the Bluetooth route. Well, thank you all for your uh, carefully considered um, responses. Agassi, I'm with you on the first date observations. Um, I also really enjoyed, we had a thing uh, where I went to undergrad where there were different benches around campus and you could also tell, we referred to them as DTR benches where people were having the define their relationship conversations. Um, so that's also like a, you know, a fun one to observe in public. Um, okay, so my next question is, <clears throat> would you rather go the rest of your life without the ability to wear sunglasses or socks? I don't need um, any clarifying questions. I am just going to answer, I would rather go without socks because one, um, I have very sensitivo eyes and I need sunglasses and B, that means I could wear Chacos every day of the year. And if I'm living in a climate like Florida, that is absolutely fine for me. And I will not be taking any questions on the matter. Thank you so much. Eric, I have a clarifying question for you. Did you start off your list with the number one and then say B? 
One, I said I wasn't taking any questions. And two, <laughs> it was highly likely. When I said it, I was like, did I start with one or did I start with A? And I, I had a 50-50 chance. <laughs> Roman numerals. So it. There's still numbers. It is what it is. It is. So uh, I'm also team Eric on this. I'm going to go without socks. Choco life. Um, but yes, I absolutely uh, need my, my sunglasses. One, they're cute. And two, yes, also the eyes thing. And in this case, I will digress from the pattern that's been set because I love socks too much. I, I, I love them. So I'll just wear a long build cap of some sort. It'll go with my socks, whatever it is. So I really just imagined like the, the you know, from like the, the plague, the plague doctors with the long beaks. I imagine <laughs> that is a hat though. Like just Michelle walking around just like, huge visor just like <laughs> around campus it's like have you seen that professor that walks around with the beak on her <laughs> and they'll say i know who you're talking about she has the most amazing socks if you're gonna be known for something let it be something good right that's right give them something to talk about right that's right mm -hmm. yes <laughs> less contentious than i thought but i think these are great answers i think my conclusion from that is that um I'm happy to have discovered Michelle's aesthetic of long build caps matching her socks. Just like, you know, everybody, everybody needs a look. And I am surprised that nobody mentioned one of my uh, favorite things about college campuses, which is the inevitable, some, some amount of white men that have decided they don't wear shoes anymore. So, you know, somebody could have just gone the I don't wear shoes at all option. Um, here in beautiful Clemson, South Carolina, there was a guy who was like, commuting multiple miles. I was seeing him on highway bridges without shoes on. And I was like, you are, you are committed to that bit, sir. And with that, I wish you all the best on your uh, Shakespearean quandaries. That's still my favorite thing, Shakespearean quandaries. I'm glad I initially said to doc or not to doc. Uh, that is the question. So Michelle, I think our first question before we get too much into logistics is how do you know you're ready? Like what, I know that it's not always like a switch on or off, but what is that, you know, couple things or that moment where you think people really know, okay, I, I'm ready to apply. So my answer, um, one of the courses that I teach almost every year is law and ethics. I don't know why I said almost, I've taught it every year since I've been a faculty member. Um, but my, my, uh, advice or insight that I offer in that class is the answer to every really challenging question is it depends. Um, in this case, I would say it really depends on the person. And I think most people realize they're ready when they figure out why do they want to do it. And for some people, the why is very practical you know, I'm ready for a career move. And as I prepare for that, I know I'm going to need a terminal degree to get the position that I'm interested in. Um, for others, it is a compelling area or question that I want to know more about this. I want to do work around this. Um, for me personally, it was, I, when I started my doctoral program at Iowa State, Go Cyclones, 
I wasn't actually that compelled by the, the credential. I just wanted some time to think about the work I was doing. And I knew if I went to my supervisor and said, I'd like to take three hours on Thursday and go think about my work, that was probably going to be a no. But I want to take three hours and go to this class. And, you know, I, I did that at Iowa State. At the time, I think you could take three courses before you were admitted to the program. So I did that. And then, you know, you just kind of do it. I ended up applying. And then I was like, okay, I'll get this degree. But I think taking some time and thinking about what is it that you want out of it? Because the reality is not everybody needs a terminal degree. You know, there we'll, we'll talk more about this, I think, but there's sacrifice that's involved. So understanding what the motivation is for getting the degree. Um, and it, it, it needs to be your own. You know, you can't do the degree because somebody else wants you to do it. I mean, you could, but that's a, it's going to make the work heavier and harder than if you know I'm doing this because fill in the blank. So I, I think that's it. Um, you know, there are certainly other factors to consider, but for me, that's the, if you don't know why you want to get it, it's going to make the experience really daunting, I think, at times. One thing that I, I love that you mentioned, and I think has started to emerge a little bit as a theme over our last few episodes talking about doctoral programs, is this idea of less credential, more, you know, I, I want to think about what we're doing here. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that it's been presented to me like that before. I think between, you know, the last few episodes, it's started to emerge that way. And as someone who is, again, selfishly doing this doc series, because I want to know like when I need to start thinking, or, you know, this is just really benefiting me. I don't feel as called to the credential piece as much as mm -hmm. I really have an interest in what we're doing and I want to spend time doing that. And Agassi, I think you, you know, in your ma current master's program, I think you're approaching it a little differently, but I think it's sort of the same underlying concept that I am just really interested in learning why these things happen the way they do and why we do things a certain way. And, you know, you've been geeking out on assessment, which I love. And it just, I think that that's something that people really need to hold close to them is you should not be studying this specifically to get to another level. I mean, maybe that's part of it, but I mean, it's a lot of coursework and a lot of work that you should care about. Like, I don't know. I don't know if I have much else to add beyond that, but. Yeah, no, I mean, even, <clears throat> even as you were talking, Michelle, it reminds me of like what Miles was mentioning in our last episode about how the process itself, like entering the program itself and taking the classes um helps you refine your own work in the in the process and obviously this is you know from the experience of people who work full-time but like i know we talked about in our last episode how even in my program i have like ten thousand percent seen the things that i talk about and think about in class like overlap into like my work and how i think about my work and even though it's a communication degree like there there's just so much overlap between our two fields that sometimes it just makes me giggle when people talk about like communications like oh it's interdisciplinary and some people think it's made up and i'm like oh my gosh that's what people sometimes say about student affairs and like higher ed like it's just it's so interesting and to see these two fields kind of come together in my eyes but yeah i mean i absolutely agree about the why um and and understanding the why because i 
I entered this master's program not understanding or not knowing how research focused it was. And like, I was caught off guard almost at how much I love the research part of that. Cause like, I mean, I know I've talked about it, but our BG, you know, our Eric and I's program didn't, was not like research focused. It was much more practitioner, like general practitioner focus. Um, and like entering into like research problem, it's just been totally new and totally awesome. Um, which I think is a good segue kind of into our next uh, question for you, Michelle. Um, but you talked a little bit about this already, but what should you consider in a search or what should someone consider as they're searching for programs? So you're like, okay, I think I know I want to do this. I think I want to like start looking around and seeing what I can do. What are some of the things we should consider? So um, there's a lot. Uh, well, let me let me start with the academic pieces but there are also a whole bunch of personal pieces to keep in mind. So, um, and this kind of crosses into both, but how are you going to pay for it? You know, are you in a position where there's um, some tuition remission program or um, I have a colleague who, he's not a colleague. He's a good friend of mine, Reyes Luna at Cal Poly Pomona. His institution didn't offer a terminal degree but it had a partnership with neighboring institutions. And so is that an option for you? Do you want to go full-time or part-time? And what does that mean for what your life is going to look like? Um, who do you want to do the work with? You know, if you are, look, I live in Georgia and my program needs to be in Georgia because I'm not leaving Georgia then look at people in Georgia. Don't, don't look nationally at who's doing scholarship in terms of trying to identify an advisor for your program. Look where you're going to be. If you are open to going wherever, who's, who's doing the work? You know, where are they? Is that a place that you want to consider? If you know I work at this institution, I'm at the University of Tennessee, that's where I'm doing my degree, then look at the faculty in the program there and figure out how can they support you as you work toward um, your program, as you immerse yourself in the issues that you might wanna do. I will say you do not need to know what your dissertation is gonna be walking in the door. And there are gonna be people in your first classes who say, this is what I'm gonna do, da, da, da. great for you, bud. You know, if, if you've got it and you know where you're going, go for it. But that does not have to be everybody's story. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, do you have, if you're working full time, do you have the support of your supervisor? You know, are they, understanding that, and it might not even happen until you get to the dissertation stage, but there may be a point where you need to use vacation time or be creative with your hours so that you can put in the time you need to for the dissertation or for a project. Um, if the class starts before the end of the workday, what does that look like for you? I mean, I guess ultimately before that, you need to think, am I gonna go full-time or am I gonna go part-time? Um, huge pros and cons both ways. It's nice to have an, a full paycheck um, instead of a stipend if you are a full-time student. Um, but the reality is you're going to probably be thought of for opportunities more than if you're working full-time. 
unless you're in a program like the Clemson program, the vast majority of our students are working full time. So I think that's another thing to kind of consider. Um, those are the things that I think of from a, an academic standpoint. And if you've thought of other things or heard other things, let's talk more about those. Um, but from a personal standpoint, this really is, it's an intense experience. And when I'm talking with students who are potentially interested, I tell them just to know, for most students, it's a lot more emotional than you expect it to be. I, I was not, I won't say I wasn't ready for it. I was just surprised by it. Um, because there is, I personally believe that most of us carry some degree of imposter phenomenon and the doctoral program. So particularly if you went to a student affairs master's program, this idea of a cohort and we're all going through it together. There's still comparison. Some programs are still very competitive. Um, when you go for a terminal degree, I think all of that gets sort of exacerbated a little bit. Um, and people are not always as willing to be vulnerable and talk about, you know, I don't know if I can pass this class. For me, it was statistics. I was like, well, Honestly, every course I took, I thought this is going to be the one where they pull me aside and say, Michelle, you're really trying, but this program is just not for you. Um, that didn't happen. So then I thought it was going to happen when I became a faculty member. Now I have tenure. So, haha, I fooled you all. You know, I'm here. Um, but I do think that just knowing that that's part of the process and being prepared for it and normalizing it as much as you're able to. Um, if you are in a committed relationship, if you have kids, there are things that you are going to have to change about how you engage with your family, also with your friends. Um, a good friend of mine, Dr. Mimi Benjamin, is at Indiana University of Pennsylvania. And we worked together in housing while she was doing her PhD. And there were times when I would ask her, hey, do you want to go do this? And she would be like, no, I have homework. And honestly, I thought Mimi does not want to hang out with you anymore, Michelle, um, because there's no way there's that much homework. And there are times when that is really the case. She just and, and she was working full time as well. And so there are also just windows of time that you have available to do work. Um, what I appreciate a lot of the students that I work with now have families and acknowledge their families are earning this degree with them. Their families are making sacrifices. Um, and so honoring that and being prepared for that, I think is really important. You know, if, if you are having to pay out of pocket, I know some people say you should never pay for a degree. I agree to an extent, but for me, there were semesters where I paid for courses because of my timeline and what I wanted to be done. So planning for potential financial implications um, or fees. You know, we had a tuition reimbursement thing. We paid up front if we earned, I think it was a C or better. It might've been a B or better. Um, 
which makes it sound like I didn't have to worry about grades. That's not true. <laughs> That's not true. Um, but I just don't remember what it was. Um, but you had to front the money and then you got it at the end. So thinking about the financial aspect and how are you going to plan for it? Um, I mean, and then what, what gives, you know, what are you doing less of, or what are you doing in a different way because of the time that this takes up? And in addition to, does your, your family, do your friends, um, does your supervisor support you? Who else is in it with you? I'm a big fan of near peer mentoring. So if you know someone who's in the program that you want to start, who's just a little bit ahead of you, that's going to be a great resource. And you can find that person once you're in the program, you don't have to go into it with that. But if you have a chance to have conversation with people who are doing what you think you want to do, it can just help you be more aware of what you might be in for and which classes you don't want to take at the same time because of workload or intensity or whatever it might be. I'm just really thinking about a lot of this because I, I feel like I'm on the cusp of a PhD or EDD. Like I'm just not quite prepared, but as these conversations happen, I, I really am internalizing so much of what you say in a positive way, because I think, excuse me, we're breaking down a lot of the preconceived notions about programs and, you know, things that you should think about. Um, one thing that I have been really curious about, I think, is what are your thoughts around uh, practitioner versus faculty focused? Um, or, you know, what are things to consider? Because I hear that thrown around a lot around you know, depending, like, are you going into this knowing that you want to end up as faculty or is this just to advance your degree or whatever? And I would just like to hear from you what, what do those actually look like and what do people actually need to be thinking about versus what we just sort of like hear whispers of? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> first, let me speak a little bit and everybody has their own opinion on this, but to the PhD and EDD question, um, the reality is that there will be faculty at some point in your career, whether you stay a practitioner or, or shift to faculty member, um, who are going to distinguish between the people who got PhDs and the people who got EDDs. However, in my experience, it is very program specific. There are, I, I have a PhD but I have colleagues who've earned EDDs who did just as much research in their programs. And that's supposed to be the distinguishing thing. And EDD focuses on practice and a PhD is a practitioner degree. Um, I'll also put out there, I did um, the NASPA Four East Mid-Level Professionals Institute a while ago. And our um, facilitator for our group, who was a VPSA at the time, said if she had it to do over, she had her PhD, but she said actually a JD or an MBA is a terminal degree. Either one of those she would have used much more than a research degree. So that's another thing I'll put out there depending on what the goal is. Um, I say enter with whatever you think you're going to be doing, but be open to other things. So when I started, I, I wasn't opposed to a faculty position, but at 
the point um, that I was really fully in my doctoral program, I thought my next step would be either Dean of Students or maybe an Associate Vice President. Um, I, I didn't really wanna do the show that I think a VPSA has to do, but I like making people look good. So I thought I'd be a pretty good Associate VP. And then when I got in the program and I TA'd for some courses, that's when I was more interested in maybe faculty. But when I applied, and I didn't apply for a lot of jobs right away, I was still working in conduct, I loved it. Um, but when I did start to look a little bit, I think I applied to about the same number of practitioner jobs as I did um, faculty positions. Um, but one of the things, and I know we talked about this in our, our pre-call a little bit, but I want to touch on is um, I mentioned Mimi Benjamin and Dr. Dina Neese at University of West Georgia and I, um, Mimi invited us to come together and do a study on people who had transitioned from student affairs careers as practitioners into faculty roles. And one of the things that came out of that study that was not completely consistent. And we had 30 or 35 um, participants that we interviewed, but was pretty strong um, across experiences was the people who went in thinking they were going to move into another practitioner role, once they taught or were a TA, that's when they thought, well, wait a minute, maybe, maybe this is what I want to do. So I encourage people get that experience. I wanted that experience because I'm a huge introvert and I just didn't know if I would have the energy in the classroom. Um, and I leave teaching exhausted and um, full of self-critique every time I teach. But once I realized that my classroom space are places where we learn together and there everybody has expertise. So we're both teacher and learner. That took some of that okay, now go in and put on the show kind of pressure off of me. Um, but yeah, I, I encourage people to consider either. Um, and there are pros and cons to both. You know, I, I suspect I'd probably be making more if I had continued as a practitioner. Um, but I have a lot of control over my time that you know, I went back and figured it up when I became a faculty member and I was in roles where there were on-call responsibilities for about 20 years. And so when I switched to this and realized there's no faculty emergency, I'm never gonna get a call at 2 a.m. unless something has happened to someone in the program. Um, I was tired, <laughs> I was tired of, I mean, I get your point earlier, Erica, about, okay, so it's day 366, let's make some changes here. Um, and I, I think I was pretty good at it and I liked being in a helper role, but I love being a faculty member. So um, I may have strayed a little bit, but hopefully I answered the question there. Yeah, Michelle, I mean, I think a lot of what you're talking about really resonates. And I think it, it really does go back to what you were talking about earlier. Like, why do you wanna do this? Because you know, something, I think something I've, I think something that's difficult to internalize at times as a professional and even just a life adult thing, I would say, is just like, no one can give you the answer. Like you do have to decide for yourself. You have to reflect on yourself. You have to think for yourself. What do I want? 
and what is going to help me get to where I want. And like, that's hard because I mean, for, you know, I mean, for 18 years of our lives, we had to ask people for the restroom to go to the restroom. And then all of a sudden you're in college and it's like, Hey, so congrats. You're here. What do you want to do for 40 years, 40 plus years of your life? And then you start making meaning and figuring it out and lots of theories and lots of things to talk about that. Um, but I mean, you really just go back to the why, because I'm exactly what you're talking about. Like, I remember getting to grad school, you know, 1.0 and being like, I'm going to be a dean of students or I'm going to be a VPSA. And I, we've talked about this. I like you ask like 90, you know, you ask a group of, of new professionals, like, what do you want to do? And like, you'll probably get like nine out of 10, eight out of 10 saying like the exact same thing, dean of students, VPSA. And the more you learn and the more you grow, you start realizing, okay, here are the things I like, here are the things I don't. Um, and exactly. I think just kind of going back to the why. Um, is, is, is huge. Cause again, no one can give you the answer. No one can tell you, this is what you need to do. They can only advise you. Um, and a good mentor won't tell you, this is what you need to do. They'll say, well, let's think through what you, what you're thinking and like how we can get you to the answer. Absolutely. So I think to hopefully, um, you know, wrap up our conversation, um, what do you wish that applicants or, you know, folks in this process right before applying or, you know, as they're applying, what do you wish that they would know before they press send on those application materials? I'm, I, I appreciate this question a lot um, because for me, part of the answer is not intuitive. Um, I, I think you have, well, you don't have to, I'm not the boss of people's lives. Um, though I feel like I want to be some days, but not really. Um, I, I encourage you, I strongly encourage you to really think about what is it that you want. And um, I was talking to one of my advisees the other day and I said, I think what people don't realize is a big part of getting a terminal degree is being stubborn. Um, so I had four different chairs as I went through my doctoral committee. And I don't, I'm, I'm pretty sure it wasn't personal. People just took jobs other places. But by the time I got to my last chair, so um, Dr. Ann Gansmertop at Iowa State, um, she was just coming on as a new faculty member. And I knew Ann pretty well. And I knew her well enough that I could say, Ann, I want you to be my chair, but I need you to stay here for a year and a half so I can finish. I don't want to find another advisor. Um, and she did. She did right by me for sure. Um, and she was, it was great to go through that experience with her. Um, but when you are applying, when you're thinking about it, really think about your own persistence is probably a nicer word than being stubborn but there just comes a point where it's on you. When you get to the point that you're working on a dissertation or whatever the final project is for your program, that's on you. You can build structure around that, but um, our the chair of our department, I've heard her say multiple times, you cannot want a student to get their, their degree more than they want it. So it really is about the self. And so think about what does your life look like? Um, what is the timing that makes sense for you? And who, who are your champions? Who are the people who are going to say, yep, that sounds hard. Now get back to work. 
when you need that or who are going to say, yeah, that sounds hard. Take a break when that's what you need. Um, when it comes to applying, you know, the GRE is really up in the air right now. I, if, if that matters to you, there are plenty of really strong programs that don't require it. Um, if, if it doesn't matter to you or that's something that you're comfortable with, um, just kind of know. I will say when our program required it, we really were looking mainly at the writing score. So there's not a hot, lot of high level math that you have to do in our program. So we weren't so worried about, you know, can you figure out the circumference of a tree? That, that was not an issue. Um, but look at the program and make sure that what they require for you to get in are things that you either are prepared for or you can prepare for. One of the big things I would say, have an area that you're interested in. Do not feel like you are absolutely committed to that going into the program. Um, you can change your mind. Hopefully you're going to be open to other ideas, ways of learning, knowing, understanding, and, and the questions that you're interested in are going to be informed by what's happening in the world, the conversations that you're having, in, if you're working full-time in the workplace, if you're not in um, your involvement with other students. Um, but you need to be able to speak to specific faculty in the program. So if it's in the form of a personal statement or a cover letter, it, it sounds like name dropping, but really I encourage you to say, I would really love to work with Dr. Botcher because I know that she's done work with first-generation college students, and that's an area of interest of mine. Because we really are not doing right by a student if we admit them and we don't have the capacity to serve them. So if there is an area that you want to study and you know, I work at Clemson, I need to get this degree from Clemson, and no one at Clemson does that, think about is now the right time for the degree? Or is there someone who's among the faculty, who does something adjacent? If so, speak to that in your cover letter and say, I would like to work with this person because they do this and that fits with my area of curiosity. Um, I'm trying to think other things in terms of applying. I mean, follow instructions. You know, it sounds so basic, but do what the application asks you to do. And if you're providing essay questions, um, don't, don't put down three sentences. I don't see this as much with doc students and we don't, that's not always part of, or it's not part of our process, but I've seen it other places. If, if you're given questions to respond to, it's because the faculty chose those and they're using those to decide if this is the right fit for you. And that why question has got to be there. We just recently um, finished, well, I just finished reviewing applications for this cycle. And one of the issues I had with a lot of the applications was there wasn't a why. And if it's, this has been a goal of mine to achieve this, and I want this, for my own growth and development in my work in the future, 
that's fine. But if you don't say, if you say this is the next logical step and don't explain why it's the next logical step, we don't expect in our program that everyone wants this to go and do research. We figure it's about um, a career advancement. Say that. That's not, I think sometimes in student affairs, we're sort of put down if we articulate our aspirations and our goals. This is a place where you want to do that and say, this is what I want. And I know I can't get this without the credential. And I'm interested in this topic or these areas of research. Don't ignore that piece. Um, but why, why a PhD instead of, because I've read applications and I'm like, this isn't the degree that you want. You really want an MBA. Um, so you, you want to make it specific to the institution, specific to the faculty, and tell your story. Let us know who you are and how this is going to help you. Um, those are the things that come to mind. I mean, it's a, it is a big commitment. Um, and it's a lot of work. And, uh, do I have time for a quick story? End of dissertation process. Okay. So, um, one of the things I used as a break through my dissertation process is I rewatched the show third rock from the sun which I don't know if you're familiar with it, but aliens come to earth and they figure out how to be human beings. The day, and it's weird that I still can get choked up about this because it was, it's been a little while ago, but the day that I sent my final draft to my, <laughs> to my committee, I'm watching the very last episode and I'm totally going to do a spoiler here because if you haven't watched this show, it's like, 15 or 20 years old. So that's on you. I'm not ruining anything that's happening in real time. But the last episode, they go back to their home planet. My brother calls me and like, I wasn't just choked up. I am like sobbing. And he lived in Minneapolis. I was in Ames. <clears throat> and he said, what's going on? I said, I just watched this episode and they go to their home planet. And he's like, do I need to get in my car and come there? It is a sitcom and I am bawling. And I said, no, I also just sent my dissertation off to my committee. And he's like, oh, you think maybe that's really why you're upset? And I was like, yeah, it is. But you asked why I was crying and I was watching this. So, and that's part of that emotion. And it was relief. You know, my, my faculty member, my chair said, I'm not letting you defend until you're going to be successful. So it wasn't done, but the hard part was done and you just carry a lot. And so um, I will say for me, it was totally worth it. Like I said, I love being a faculty member. I couldn't have this job without that credential. Um, but you just have to know it's hard and find at least one person who, like I said, is either just ahead of you or who's going through it with you. So you can just give them that look and you don't even have to say what the words are, but they know you're tired, you're scared, you're frustrated. You just want it to be done. Um, but it is, it's an incredibly rewarding experience. The hooding ceremony at Clemson was yesterday and it, it's amazing to see what people achieve. So um, you can't help but compare, you know, there's going to be some of that, but 
do what you need to do and in the way that you need to do it and just have conversation, you know, as you're preparing, talk to people. Um, so, you know, a little bit of what you're in for and also the more you talk about it, the more it can become a reality. If we carry these narratives in our head, they might always just be aspirations instead of um, being more intentional and making progress. So I, I appreciate the chance to talk with you all about this. I, I love working with doctoral students um, and I'm, I'm fortunate to work with some really, really brilliant people and to get to learn in partnership with them. So what else, what other incredible pieces of wisdom can I share with you today? And if we're good, we're good, so. Well, actually, I think that's a perfect segue to our wrap-up question. Awesome. Um, bringing a little essay today to uh, the first five years, but Michelle, what's bringing you joy this week? Commencement is bringing me joy this week because um, I am so ready for people to get out of here. I'm just kidding. Um, no, it is, I mean, it really always should be a highlight. And for people, when I worked in housing, when I was in um, first year residence halls, I loved that the students who moved out at the end of the year were truly transformed from the students who had moved in in the fall. Sometimes they looked very physically different and had new markings on their bodies that they didn't come in with and you know whatever it might be. Um, but they really were different people. And I feel like graduation is another time where we get to see growth. And I'm just always excited for what comes next. Even if, if you finish a degree and you're in a job and you're staying in that job, you're going to engage in the work in a different way because of the experiences that you've had. And so, um, yeah, I, I am definitely a spring person. I love reflection. I love celebration. And um, it's just, it's nice to see the pride that families and friends have around these achievements too. That's, that's pretty huge. So um, this is a good week for that question. I love that so much. I also love commencement. It always makes me cry. Even if I like don't know anyone in it, I just, I can hear pomp and circumstance in my head right now and I could yeah. get a little emotional. Um, so thank you so much, Michelle. Um, Agassi, if you want to add with bringing you joy, cool. If you don't, that's also cool. Um, but <laughs> up to you, but we're really thankful. Um, I think this is again, such a fruitful conversation and Think the point of this is that there is not a right answer. We are not here on essay today or the first five years telling you when to get a PhD, EDD, or terminal degree. We are just giving you things to think about. And if you're anything like me, that's a little frustrating because you want someone to tell you what to do, but ultimately will be much more of a learning opportunity if you do it yourself. Uh, so we're you know thankful again for you joining us, Michelle, and um, shameless plug that you should also be listening to Essay Today. There's a great episode on first-generation college students. Um, the, the, the host slash or the guest. It the was original named. crossover episode. The OG crossover. <laughs> I think it was great. Agassi is giving me such shade, but I had to plug it. But thank you everyone again joining us for the first five years presented by Saxa.
And thanks to our producer, Miles Surrett, uh, for doing what producers do, produce, uh, producing this episode. I've now said produce five times in a sentence, so thank you so much. Um, I would also like to thank me for editing this episode, um, because once again, Erica read the other line. So th- I, I want to thank me for believing in me, for being there for me. Um, one, uh, one, from one Dr. S. Dog. Um, if you were familiar with his work, uh, Circa 2018, I believe the publication. Um, if you want to learn more about, <laughs> also thank you to Jen Lowe, Jennifer Lowe, uh, the new producer for SA Today, who is also joining us on this call. I am so sorry, Jen, um, but thank you for joining us on this wonderful occasion. Um, also give us some great vibes for our new producer. Um, if you want to learn more about SACSA, the Southern Association for College Student Affairs, on the various social media outlets, you can find them on Facebook at facebook.com slash SACSA fan page, on Twitter at SACSA tweets, and on Instagram at SACSA grams. You can also connect with us on Twitter primarily. Um, you can find me at Agassi, A-G-A-S-S-Y underscore R. And what about you, Erica? You can find me at Erica M underscore Aguiar. That's A-G-U-I-A-R. Please, I'm trying to build my Twitter presence after taking a little hiatus. So um, be my friend. Thank you. Michelle, anything you want to plug? I know we plugged um, your pod, but is there anything else? Any publications or things coming up? No, I'll come back when I, I am working on a pretty exciting project. And when that is done, I will let you know, hey, now's the time. Let me come back and talk about it. Um, but I am moving into summer and high writing mode. And so looking, oh, I do have something. I have another podcast to plug. Um, every spring, the graduating students as part of the contemporary college student course do a podcast called the contemporary college student podcast. I know it's a great title. Dr. Jimmy Howard and I came up with that together. And um, so the new season is just out a few weeks ago. So if you're interested in hearing master's students talk about the college experience, it's all over the board what they talk about, but um, I, I would encourage you to check that out. I, I have heard rumors of this um, because we've had a lot of Clemson grads on the pod. So you have found another listener and it's awesome. I'm excited to plug that into my Spotify and um, give it some listens. Well, thanks again, everyone for joining us. We're thrilled to have you and we will see you here. You, you will hear us next time. <laughs> First five years. Bye-bye everybody. Bye.